0: Sometimes you choose courage, and at other times it's forced upon you. Courage Unraveled is a podcast series where you get to listen to insights, discussions, conversations, and stories from people from all walks of life. You'll be served with dollops of courage, resilience, and strength here, so come along and be educated and inspired. You just may find new ways to flex your own courage muscle. My name is Sana Turnock, and I'm your host. What makes someone decide to do a 19.7-kilometre ocean swim from local iconic Perth swimming spot Cottesloe Beach to Rottnest Island? Imogen Mason had always loved swimming as a child. She dreamed of participating in the Cottesloe to Rottnest Ocean swim, but never really thought it would become a reality. In 2020, she made the decision to give it a go. In six and a half months of training, Imogen swam over 500 kilometres and at her peak swimming seven kilometres per day. Her challenge was her mindset. Did she make it all the way? Have a listen and find out. It's a real privilege to be able to share these inspiring podcasts of courage with you. The work undertaken takes many hours to put together and is self-funded. You can support the podcast series by becoming a patron and receiving access to patron-only specials and exclusives. Choose the tier that suits you. The Courage Journal is a fantastic adjunct to these podcast stories. Do you want to start flexing your own courage muscle? Then grab your very own journal. Visit courageunraveled.com to find out more about the journal and how you can become a Courage Unraveled patron. Hi Imogen, welcome to Courage Unraveled. Hi Hi, Sina, thanks for having me. A pleasure. All right, let's get into it. You did a solo swim in February 2020 from Cottesloe Beach in Western Australia to Rottnest. Now that's a 19.7 kilometre swim and the goal was to do it without stopping for long periods of time or at all, I guess. What was the driving motivation to do this? Was it craziness?
1: (laughs) I might call it craziness. I think most people (laughs) I talk to uh, look at me kind of like, wow, you must be crazy Mm -hmm. to think that you're going to do something like that. I'd say for most of the training, I thought I was pretty crazy as well. But I've always... Had this idea of swimming to Nest for whatever reason. I've loved the water as a child and always thought it would be kind of this unattainable goal that, like, one day in my future I would finally get there and do it. Then I just decided my friend had done it and I thought, oh, well, if she can do it, why not me? You can't touch any hard object for the entire swim over there, so you can't touch your kayak, your boat, your paddle, anything. It's just you in the water.
0: You're allowed to stop as much as you need to, but you can't touch any objects. Oh my goodness. Was this a thought process or was it a lightning bulb moment? You went, you know, wow, my friend's done it, boom, I'm going to go and do it?
1: I think it was a bit of both. I think she had done it and I thought, oh, that was incredible. And I kind of had started to do more open water swimming. So when I moved down to Busselton, I started to do the jetty swim, which was probably the beginning at like putting my toes in the water, kind of thinking, is this something I can even achieve? I had swum a lot in the pool but never really in the ocean, which was a lot more of a a mental challenge to overcome, all those things that you can't control in the ocean that you have to come to terms with and let your mind allow you to get through those aspects. I think once I spoke to her a bit more and I was doing some winter training, so she's quite an avid open water swimmer, so she was training to do a swim in San Francisco uh, last year in September. So I was doing some middle of the winter swimming training with her just to have a for her to have some company in the water. Uh, And the more I saw her and the more I realized that it was just a chipping away at the block kind of activity to reach this goal, the more I realized I could do it. So I guess it was a thought process that eventuated into me deciding
0: that I may as well give it a go. You, you mentioned the Bustleton Jetty Swim. For listeners who don't know where Bustleton is, that's in Western Australia and it's an annual event. So just quickly describe what that means doing the Busselton Jetty Swim That's the, to your solo swim. So just let people know what yeah, that
1: means. Yeah, I think the Bustleton Jetty Swim is, I think it's one of the longest wooden jetties in the Southern Hemisphere. It goes, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's 1.6 or so kilometres out to sea and basically it's a loop around so you do point. Six kilometres, you swim out around the jetty and then back in. And it's an amazing community event. You really feel like you're part of a group of people that are achieving something that not many can do. I really love that feeling. The first time I did it, I was so nervous. I remember the butterflies in my stomach and I thought, gosh, how am I going to swim out to the end of that jetty? Like, what am I thinking? And I did that. And I think from that moment, I really just ticked something off the list in my head that said, no, no, you can you can do this if you really want to. I've competed in that swim every year since then. That would have been 2000 and. 15 I did my first swim.
0: Wow that's great so definitely the precursor because I mean you, know, you certainly added a few, few more kilometers from the jet. <laughs> definitely to, that, to was the,
1: that was definitely my uh, the, the beginning moment where I thought oh, okay I actually quite
0: enjoy these activities and yeah so the ball got rolling. Brilliant. Describe the routine you had leading up to the Rottnest swim.
1: I started in about July 2019. I joined a triathlon club. I was only part of the swimming aspect of it, but I should mention that it was a triathlon club. So they, can, they did all aspects of triathlon competing. To start with, I was probably doing three to four sessions a week that would involve morning and night sessions in a swimming pool. And then I was doing my ocean swim that I mentioned previously with my friend who was training to swim in San Francisco. That was the beginning training. It was pretty easy on. We were doing some land sessions as well. So just some body weight squats. And pull ups and things like that just to condition your shoulder strength. Because really, when you're swimming for long distances, it's all in your shoulders. Your legs really pull out of the situation and it's all shoulder work. As this training went on, it increased into six to seven sessions a week plus the additional. A couple of ocean swims on the weekend in your spare time, whatever spare time you had. (laughs) Whatever that Uh, is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but really in the peak of it, I was swimming in the morning and the evening. So I'd start swimming at 5.30 in the morning. I'd swim until seven. I'd have a shower at the pool, get changed, go straight to work, and then I'd go again in the evening from six until 7.30.
0: PM. That's pretty intense. You're pretty dedicated. It
1: took a long time to get there though. It didn't start easily. And there was a lot of sessions that were missed. And then I had to really pull my head in. And luckily I had a great group of people that were training with me. So that also really helps when you're doing something like this.
0: Were there times then when you wanted to quit or just have a lie in, a simple lie? Oh,
1: a hundred percent. And I had this pit in my stomach that would say, oh, you're training for something. And the closer I get, the more there was just no sleeping in. It was just a don't think about it, get up and go situation. Your alarm goes off and it's just a clockwork. But in the middle of winter, when it was pitch dark, there were a few sessions that were missed here and there and definitely moments where I thought, what am I doing? Because the goal was still so far away at that point that it was really like a, who am I kidding? Like, what am I actually doing? have I have I actually committed to this yet, and as the months went on, it became a lot
0: more serious. What kind of psychological training did you do to prepare for the event?
1: To be honest with you, I was quite slack on my mental training. It was probably the bit that scared me the most. I thought, oh, my mind has never been my strongest characteristic. I think if anything, and as this talk will go on, I think we'll realise that that's something that I've really shown myself is not the case. I definitely didn't do a lot of mind training. In the last few months, I started to listen to some podcasts of elite ocean water swimmers and what they thought about while they were swimming. I had a few friends that play women and AFL, so I spoke to them a little bit about how they dealt with the mental side of it. And a lot of them said, when your mind lets you, your body can achieve amazing things. And really mm. that your mind is that last point that's going to tell you to stop and give up. And once you move past that, your body can just keep going and going if you will let it. I really believe that now. So other than some podcasts, I did a lot of ocean water swimming events. They might've been small, but I think that every single one of them, I tried to focus on a different aspect. Um, I'm a very competitive person, so trying to take the competitiveness out of my competition mindset was a big challenge for me. I always wanted to get out of the gates early, swim really fast and get at the front of the pack. And when you're doing anything, even just five kilometres, which was what I was doing in a lot of these events, it's not a race for time for me. It's a, it's a complete in the distance. It's making yourself feel really good. It's getting out of the water and thinking, I could do that again and again, and again, and again, because that's what I was going to have mm. to do. So that's probably where my mental training came in was those open water events and just trying to remember that it wasn't a competition. It was just a complete the event situation.
0: I'm curious to know a bit more about uh, the podcast that you listened to. I listened to
1: ones called uh, Tri Swim Coach and it was triathlon swimming practice. So that was a lot more about technique in the water. And then I listened to one, she's about a lady, she's got a Netflix show as well. I'll have to try and get you the name of her. And she swam a massive distance from out in the water outside of San Francisco into San Francisco. I'll get you the name of it, Sana. She was incredible. Her mindset training, she had to get into the water at uh, 1am to start her swim in San Francisco in the pitch darkness. And I just thought, how could you ever do that? How could you (laughs) convince yourself to jump into pitch black water? I mean... I don't think I could do it. I'm not sure.
0: Oh, my God. That's that's courageous and crazy at the same time. Isn't
1: it? Isn't it? Isn't it?
0: <laughs> wow. And, and that would have been a fantastic podcast as a two because that's the kind of mind training you really need.
1: We started just as the sun was coming up. So it was pretty dark in the water and that was something that I guess I kind of thought of what's it going to be like to start in the darkness. But to start in the middle of the night and to know that you've got hours before the sun comes up is just another whole other kettle of
0: fish. Sure. Imagine. Yeah. I've never done this kind of thing. So, I'm, you know, I'm very, very intrigued. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so w- were you in a relationship at the time? As
1: in living in a relationship? A, yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we got engaged actually in January. So in the midst of all of this training, he decided that I was the one forever. <laughs>
0: That's lovely to know.
1: (laughs) Yes, I'm not sure what it was, but I think uh, he has said that he's never um, been more impressed watching me commit to something like this. I think he was probably as hesitant as my parents were. I was always been someone that talks about doing these big ideas and then actually following them through has never been my strongest point. Even my parents, they knew I was doing it, but I don't think they actually believed I was doing it until probably January where it got really serious. Even though I'd done so much training, I think they were all just keeping their hopes down just in case it all fell to pieces.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So... With the training, did it actually impact your relationship? sounds like it actually had, well, it did impact it, but positively. Look, positively in that sense,
1: whether or not that was the reason his knees got weak, I'm not sure. It was very challenging. There was a lot of me, I just had to go to bed. You know, I had to be very strict on myself. If I had training the next morning, I couldn't really commit to going out the night before, even for like, it would have to be like a six o'clock dinner home by like, eight, you know, in bed. I had to be in bed by nine o'clock. Otherwise, I just couldn't get through the next day. There was a lot of being very serious and like strict on my movements and what I could do, but it benefited his life as well. He got a lot fitter in the process. He went running while I swam in the mornings on the weekends. As a couple, we became a lot healthier, but there were definitely moments where I was upset that dinner wasn't on the table when I came home from swimming. (laughs) And, you know, I'm sure he had had a long day and he'd also gone and done things. But why my dinner wasn't ready, I couldn't comprehend. So, uh, you getting those hang, hangry pangs. Oh, so hangry! I've never eaten so much in my life. Yes, it definitely had its uh, strains on us, but nothing, nothing crazy.
0: That's good to know. Just in case anyone else yeah. wants to try on this, yeah, exactly. or, or who has, they, and, and they
1: understand yeah. and understand. Um, but we had a strong right. foundation to begin with, so
0: you know, maybe that's also to say something. I think it sounded like um, you solidified it with your commitment mm, to this. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But let's change tact. Describe what you were like as a child.
1: I'm the youngest of five, so I have always been very loud and dominant and competitive. So my siblings, everything was a competition that we did. Just going up the stairs to go out of bedrooms was a competition. I've always had a fierce competitiveness and independence, I suppose, as well. I've always been taught to do things on my own. And if I want something to go and ask the lady at the counter if I could have it, there was very little handholding in my childhood. It was a lot of a go out and get it mentality. Do you
0: see any connection with being the kind of child that you were to wanting to challenge yourself.
1: Definitely. Especially with one of my siblings, Tom. He was probably the most competitive sibling with me and he made me do lots of things just to compete with him and he never let me win. So we do swimming races for my whole childhood and I think I won once still to this day. He just would never let me win. So I've always kind of had, and I also thought, oh, if I do this now, he hasn't done it yet. So I will have been ahead of him in completing something like this. But it was really nice to see he lives overseas and he watched me on a um, tablet. He could see my little marker going across at the ocean and he has never, never been so proud. His wife called me at the end of it and said, oh, Tom is so proud of you. It's like his first child because he was nine years older than me. It was like his little first sibling has just completed something that he never thought would be possible. So it was really nice to see, but I definitely think that my upbringing and the competitiveness that was brought in by my siblings got me into doing
0: something like this with the competitive streak that you both have, have you heard whether Tom uh, wants to kind of do a one-up on you? I'm sure once he's back in the
1: country, (laughs) living here permanently, there'll be either like a duo with the two of us together or he'll he'll go up against me for sure. I would not doubt that that for a second.
0: You better still keep practicing then. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. So the day comes, you wake up, what's the weather like?
1: It was humid and overcast. The weather was a big challenge the, the week leading up. There was rain forecast and not too much wind, but definitely rain and overcast kind of weather, which isn't ideal, but it is what it is. The weather is one thing you can't ever control, so you just have to learn to not focus on it too much. And, I mean, it was still dark when I woke up Sana. It was uh, still 4am in the morning, so you couldn't judge the weather too much. But when I got down to Potterslow Beach, it was cloudy and drizzling. Okay,
0: so conditions then suitable or not suitable?
1: Very little wind. So in that sense, great, quite suitable. But in the terms of like our visibility in the water, the cloudiness doesn't help greatly. But in that moment, once you've done that much training, the weather is what it is and
0: you just have to go through it. You described earlier about some of the things that you did to to strengthen your mind. What about when you actually got in the water that day? Did you forget or did it all come back to you?
1: In many ways, it just all went out the window. I was so focused on my first challenge, which was they have a Lewin boat at the one kilometer out to sea mark, and that's where your support crew is allowed to come in. So you're in amongst, you know, 150 to 200 swimmers and thousands upon thousands of boats, and you've got to find your paddler and then connect with your boat. So that was probably my main focus to start with. I did that in the first half an hour, and then I just let it all go. It all went out of my mind, and I just swam. I just let my mind go. So you're saying there was an emptiness,
0: like a spaciousness of
1: mind? A complete sense of spaciousness on my mind. I I had a couple of songs in my head. I probably just did like one verse of the same song like 700 times in my head just over and over. But otherwise I just (laughs) – It was nothing great something I listened to <laughs> on the radio it was I can't remember what the name's called
0: I'll have to get it for you but I oh, tried, and, and you were repeating it 700 times in your Honestly, head come on remember you...
1: <laughs> it was uh I do my hair toss check my nails baby how you doing feeling good as hell <laughs> and it. that feeling good it. as hell I just kept on saying I'm feeling good as hell I've done this I'm doing this it's, it's finally coming true it was actually quite a fitting song because whenever I stopped and had a break I'd sing that bit to my crew I'd say I'm feeling good as hell and they'd all put their hands up and sing with me so I had quite a few crews go past and say oh you're way too happy to be swimming solo to Rottnest (laughs) and I said why not like look at what we're doing this is incredible.
0: Well the endorphins are really flooding through your system right so for sure did you ever come close to giving up during the race? No not at all nowhere near uh, close I definitely
1: thought I was going to have a few meltdowns, but I just rode the wave. I was just so amazed that I was even in the water competing with all of these people. And it's such an atmosphere out there. And you're in the middle of the ocean, anything's, you're at the hands of the body of water that can, you know, take you for miles. No, I didn't get close. So that was amazing feeling.
0: That's brilliant. There's a picture of you in the article that was in WA Today on the 25th of February. You were holding a well-deserved medal (laughs) and you were beaming. Can you recall what was going through your mind at that time? Oh, I was so
1: happy. I have never been so proud of myself ever. Still to this day, I think of that moment and I think, wow, I can't believe it. I had lots of my family and friends that made the journey over there, which I so appreciated. I had my fiancé's mum, my parents, I had a whole bunch of friends and I had my support crew, which by the end of the seven half hours, which for me went in a blink of an eye, but for them I can imagine was quite tedious and slow at times. I was not going very fast, but to see all of them and to see how ecstatic they were that we as a team had made it I just couldn't get that smile off my face and you walked around the the Rotness pub and there was lots of people with smaller silver medals on which were the teams and the duos and then you'd see someone with the gold medal and you'd just go up and say oh congratulations you've done it well done and it's just, you know, you're just part of this little group of people. I think there's still under 3,000 people that have ever done it, which isn't a huge number in the scheme of, of the world. Um, and you'd see those people with the gold medals on, or people would just come up to you and say, oh, my gosh, how did you do? Well done. You've made it. And they'd give you a hug. It was a, f- a feeling that I'll hold close to my heart for the rest of my life.
0: Sounds like you reached euphoria. <laughs> you oh, know? for just... sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was,
1: I was on a cloud. It felt unreal.
0: What did you do to celebrate
1: My dad got me some hot chips, which was nice. I don't know what kilometre mark, but it felt like the last couple of hours I was thinking about what I was going to eat when I got to the island. So that was my thought process at that point. Um, And every break, I'd tell my crew what I was thinking about at that point in time. I went through all sorts of options. Then I got to the shore and I said, oh, my dad popped some champagne on me. So we had some champagne, I put that over me. And then I said, oh, I'd really like some hot chips. And then, in a blink of an eye, he came back with hot chips for me, which was perhaps a little bit too soon. I quite didn't quite have the hunger yet, but uh, that was okay. (laughs) Thought that counted. (laughs) Most importantly, I saw my swimming crew. There was probably seven or eight of us that had trained together since August, and to see those people and to see that we had all made it—every single one of us in our club made it—was such a great feeling. As much as it's a solo sport, having that crew that you trained with, for me anyway, was such a big part of it. Um, I loved that club atmosphere and that you made connections with people that were outside of work and your personal life and it was a place that you could go and it was a sanctuary so to find those people at the end of that long journey and to see that we'd all made it was a great feeling. I celebrated with my friends and family and tried to have a few beers but couldn't really drink them.
0: (laughs) You bonded clearly over the swim, this is with um, the swim team, do you still see them?
1: I do still see them. We still have a little WhatsApp
0: group and we all message each other. Uh, Luckily, the
1: weather's still pretty good. So we've gone for a few swims together since then and we're all still in the club. So we're all still swimming, perhaps not as much as uh, we were, but we're all still there.
0: Fantastic. So what have you learnt from the experience?
1: I've learned that you can achieve anything you put your mind to I know that that's such a simple thing to say and it's something that people tell you all through your life and people have told me for my whole life but I think until you actually commit to something and see it the whole way through do you realize how far you can actually go with these things so it was by no means an easy feat and I definitely had small goals that made the process a lot easier for example you can't swim to rotness without qualifying so I had to do a Ten-kilometer swim um, in a certain time frame. So once I ticked that off the time off the sheet, then that was one goal that had can be completed. I had to learn how to eat in the water. Once I had learned how to do that, that goal was completed. it was just a real step-by-step process. But I really did learn at the end of this that I can do anything if I set my mind to it, and that my mind is so much stronger than I ever knew it was before I started this process. Very so, much so.
0: strength of mind. Yes. What else has the experience opened you up to? Has it opened you up to doing other things that you haven't thought of previously?
1: I think it's it's opened me up to all of those goals that were on my list of things I'd love to achieve in my life. It's made me realize that they're not going to happen unless I make actionable progress to make them become a reality. For example, I've always wanted to open my own cafe. I've worked heavily in hospitality. I love making coffee. I work for a coffee roaster at the moment. So it's always been a dream, but it's always been something that I guess I just thought would land in my lap. And now I've realized that nothing like that's ever going to land in my lap. So I've now got a business plan written. I was about to make an offer on a premises, but unfortunately the world is moving into a different place right now. So I put that on hold, but I'm very much taking steps to make goals that I've wanted to achieve become a reality. I think I've realized now that nothing will happen unless you put the hard work in, which is something I always knew, but now I've seen it firsthand and I've actually known what it feels like at the end to achieve it. And it's worth all of the hard work. So I've started to make that an action and yeah, life is great now. I've really um, got a new sense of passion and, you know, energy for achieving my own personal goals. That's fantastic. I mean, yeah,
0: the coronavirus has certainly thrown everyone's lives in chaos or certain levels of a chaos, some more than others, yes. but it, it is a good time to plan, you know. Yes, so exactly, you've, got yeah. that on your, you've got that on your side at the moment. So that's really good. So what does courage mean to you?
1: Courage means reaching for goals and ambitions that you otherwise think are outside of your comfort zone. Courage is doing things that others find scary and showing others that anything can be achieved. And it's just determined on how hard you want to work for it. I think amazing things happen when you push yourself outside of your comfort zone. I've never been one to play it safe in life. I always like to, you know, do the outrageous and crazy things. But for other people, it might be something more simple, but their mind is telling them that they can't achieve it. As soon as you let your mind go and realise that you can achieve it, then amazing things happen. Absolutely. Do you think you're courageous? I do think I'm courageous. Yeah, I think I've done something that not many people have done. And Something that a lot of people have a huge amount of fear over. I mean, the number of questions you haven't asked me, but how did I think about the sharks? I mean, the number of people that asked me before I left, what are you going to do about the sharks? Have you thought about wearing a shark protector? Sharks didn't cross my mind once. They're a part of the ocean, as a lot of things. Stingers—they're far more scary for me than a shark are. It's just something that you you do and you you overcome, and your mind is again more powerful than you ever realize. And until you put it to good use and you really push it and see how far you can go. You'll never
0: know. That's right. You won't know until you give it a go. Exactly.
1: And were there sharks in the water? I didn't see any sharks. Um, I just saw some stingrays. That was about it. My swim was very boring in that sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad for you that we had lots sharks.
1: of stingers. I got stung a lot. There was a lot of stingers, but no sharks.
0: I noticed that your swimming number was 092. Yes. Now, from a, from a numerological point of view, that equals number 11. And number 11 is a master number. So a master number means you actually go through a lot of challenges. You're really tested with this number. Number 11, number 22, and 33, they're considered number, master number. So yours was one of those. There you go. You were tested. Yeah, I know. You tested your own medal and you've made it. And, and to me, you certainly are creators because you tick the boxes of showing your strength. You had to show grit and you persevered and you've come out stronger, you know, I can imagine physically but also mentally in all of this because you're certainly more confident in how you want to proceed with your life, which is yeah, really definitely. fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's it's provided me a, a new outlook on life in general, really. Even the week leading up to the swim to Rottnest, I wasn't sure that I was going to make it at all. I really had a complete lack of, of confidence in my mind, and it was all in my mind. I knew that my body could do it. I had trained so hard, even though I had moments where I thought, oh gosh, have I done enough swimming? But I've swum over 5,000 kilometres in that six months. So there was a lot of swimming going on, but my mind, I just didn't know. And I had lots of friends saying, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. But the pit of my stomach said, oh, are you going to be okay doing this? You know, are you going to lose your temper and chuck it in the water, which I really thought was going to happen? And I didn't. And I, I think that that was the moment where I stepped on shore and I thought, oh my gosh, you didn't melt down once during that swim. You stayed cool, calm and collected. You enjoyed it, most importantly. I had a great time and you made it to the other side and I never thought that that was ever going to be possible.
0: Well you're certainly living proof that things are possible so well done that's all I can say and I know that doesn't really amount to much considering what you've (laughs) gone through. It is seriously awesome and amazing and I just want to say thank you so much for wanting to have a chat and talk about that today on Courage Unraveled and I look forward to hearing about your next venture. Thanks for having me
1: Sana. it's been a pleasure talking about my experience.
0: What a positive story. I love it when people deliberately take themselves out of their comfort zone to grow, develop and learn along the way. Imogen stood tall in her courage and did just that. She got to know herself a bit more, what she's capable of. If you want to connect with Imogen, visit courageunraveled.com forward slash podcasts, find her story and contact details there. I'm Sana Turnock, your Courage Unraveled host. Until next time.